morning, fam church. Welcome. We're excited that you all here this morning. This weekend, it seems like it's the official start of summer, doesn't it? I mean, baseball started this weekend. Those of you who are baseball fans, uh, uh, it's going to be 90 degrees today. Um, is everybody excited about that? No, people don't like that. Man, I, I think it's exciting. I like that 90 degree stuff. Plus, um, and so this year is already flying by, isn't it? I mean, it's just zooming right past us. Well, we just want to say here at Fam Church, uh, we are here to help connect people to Christ. That's our, that's our mission. That's our hope. That's our goal. That's our purpose. And so uh, if you're here for the first time, you're in church for the first time or the first time in a long time, we hope that's been your experience this morning is connection with Christ because that's what we're about. And, and if you're here for the first time this morning, I just want to invite you, like Pito said, to our VIP reception immediately after service, just so that we can get to know you and connect with you. And this morning, uh, we're doing a little bit more of a teaching versus a preaching. And you may say, well, what's the difference? The difference is preaching, I'm kind of taking something from the Bible, and I'm getting up here, and I'm breaking it down, and we're, we're kind of talking about the pieces and parts to get something from it. The teaching, we're going to talk about a concept today. And so we're not e- actually going to read specific texts from the Bible this morning. We're going to be talking about a specific thing, and I, I, I'm sure that you guessed what we're going to be able to, what we're going to be talking about from the video, but to introduce this, I want to ask you all a question, and this is my question. There's things in life that you just have to do something with, right? I mean, there's, there, you can't just say, I don't want to bother with some stuff. Some stuff you just have to do something with. Like, let's say uh, th- this morning you got up and you went into the kitchen and you decided you were going to have an ice-cold glass of Coca-Cola for breakfast, and so you went into the refrigerator, you pulled out the brand-new two-liter of Coke, you cracked it open, and then you knocked it on the floor, and the whole two-liter dumped out all over your kitchen floor. You wouldn't leave the Coke on the floor, Right? Right? Anybody say, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there, let somebody else clean it up. Maybe the dog can lick it up, something like that. The cat, my child can lick it off the floor. Who knows? I don't, but we got to do something with the bottle of Coke that spills on the floor. Or maybe your cat was out last night, and uh, as your cat was roaming the neighborhood, it killed a little bunny rabbit and drugged the bunny rabbit and dropped it at your front door. Well, you can't leave said dead bunny at your front door, right? I mean, maybe you could. People would think you're really weird if you did. But, uh, I mean, our cat, we used to have a cat that did this a couple of times. But you got to do something with the dead rabbit. Ladies, if your man came today and got down on one knee and opened a box and asked, will you marry me? You can't leave him down on one knee, can you? You have to answer yes or no to that question, right? There's just some things in life that we have to deal with. We have to do something with. And, I, and Jesus is one of those things that we can't just leave hanging out there, that we can't just leave sitting out there. It's something that we have to do something with. And so this morning, for the next two weeks, we are going to explore the options that we have with Jesus, And you may be saying, well, gosh, that's a lot of stuff. We couldn't possibly explore all of the possibilities that we have with Jesus. Well, here's the deal. If we break them all down, there's only four basic responses that we can give to Jesus that are are legitimate, okay? All right, I'm not going to deal with, was he an alien that came to this earth, okay? That's not really legitimate because we haven't even proved that aliens even exist, all right? So, but we're going to, there's four basic ones that we can come down to, that we can, that, that we can boil this all down to, and I just want to, this is not going to be a full, uh, 
a dissertation on this. this would, that would take months of doing this. This is going to be the Reader's Digest version. And so if you're, lis- if you're listening to me and you're like, I don't know about that, got questions, see holes, email me. We can have a discussion about it. My email is pastorbrian at fam- myfamchurch.com, and we can have a discussion on it. Um, but, uh, but, but the first option that we have, the first conclusion that people make about Jesus is this. They say he is a... I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see this. He is a legend, okay? Everybody know what a legend is? The most famous legend probably in world history is King Arthur. Most of us have heard of King Arthur, right? He was the guy who in the late 5th and early 6th century A.D. was the king of Britain, and how he became king of Britain was he found a sword sticking out of a stone that nobody had been able to remove. He stepped upon the stone, grabbed the sword, pulled the sword out of the rock, and became king of Britain. And uh, that's the story of how King Arthur became king. It was God's will. God had chosen him, and so the sword was not going to come out of the stone until Arthur stepped up there and pulled the sword out. And then with this stone, there's stories of Arthur like going into battle against the Saxons coming over from France and invading Britain, and Arthur going out there and single-handedly with Excalibur, that was the name of the sword, with Excalibur going out there and battling and killing over 900 people. It was him against an army of 900 people, and Arthur beat them all. He was like the Jedi Knight. He was like the Yoda in the days before we knew who Yoda and the Jedi Council even were, okay? And, and uh, he had his Knights of the Round Table. We've all heard of the Knights of the Round Table, the ancient Jedi Council. You know, they were all there, and they were doing their thing. And, and uh, even in Arthur's story, what you have is you have him fighting in multiple battles that all occurred at the same time. And so literally, Arthur would have had to been here, 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 and here, fighting and winning all of those battles at the same time. And so what they say is they look at this, they look at Arthur, and they go, you know what? This just isn't possible. Arthur couldn't have been this great king. Arthur couldn't have gone out there, had his knights, fought in these battles, and all of this stuff. And besides, there's only one document from history at that time that, that, uh, that talks about these stories, these battles, these fights, and Arthur's name isn't found in it. The only time his name is found is when you get to documents hundreds of years after the event took place. And so most historians can conclude that they don't even think Arthur was a real king. They don't even think that he lived. And so what they'll say, I I hope you're, you're kind of seeing the connection here between Arthur and Jesus in regards to a legend, is what they'll say is they'll go, okay, Jesus is the same thing. This makes sense about Jesus. Uh, Jesus was a legend. Jesus was somebody who probably didn't live, who probably wasn't even a real person, and he was written about hundreds of years later. I mean, think about it. If somebody, like if I got up here this morning and told you the story about uh, my neighbor's, my grandfather's neighbor, right? When my grandfather was a kid, he had this neighbor, and this neighbor healed the sick and raised the dead and, and did all of this crazy stuff, and I got up here and told you the story about that, how many of you would believe that my grandfather had a neighbor that healed the sick and raised the dead and did all of that stuff. Nobody would believe that, right? You'd think I was crazy. You'd think I was making stuff up. You'd think my grandpa was crazy, whatever. But and so that's, that's, kind of this, that's kind of the picture here, is that uh, people will look at this and they'll say, you know what, there's not a human being alive that could do the things that Jesus did. There's not a human being alive that, uh, that, that could raise the dead and heal the sick and all of that. And so because of that, Jesus must not have even been a real person. He was a legend. He was a legend. And so the question we need to answer is, are they right? 
Is there overwhelming evidence that Jesus either never lived or that future generations created the Jesus that we now know? And so let's dig into this. Well, the first thing is for Jesus to be a legend, um, his life and whether or not he even existed has to be in question. That means if we were to scour the history books from the time, we really wouldn't find Jesus' name or any of the incredible claims about his life. So here's what we have from that time. We've got 27 references to Jesus in the history of the time, okay? 27 different references, and that's not counting the New Testament and anything written in the New Testament. And uh, here's several examples. Uh, Tacitus, he was the son of a high-ranking Roman official. Uh, In one of his historical accounts, he talks about how this guy named Christ started a new religion in Judea. He tells us that Pontius Pilate put him to death Um, because of this new religion he started, but even after his death, uh, his, quote, mischievous superstition spread and is now now all over the Roman Empire. Okay, so his, his story, his reference in history was written about 70 years after Jesus was crucified. There was also another historian named Josephus, And what's interesting about Josephus is this, is that he was the commander of the uh, Jewish army in Jerusalem. The Romans let the Jews keep an army. And so he was the commander of this uh, Jewish army in Jerusalem. And he was there during the time of the 50s and 60s and early 70s AD. And uh, during that time, uh, the, the high priest in Jerusalem did something. They took the pastor of the church there in Jerusalem. His name was James. He was Jesus' half-brother. And they took him out, and they stoned him to death. Well, here's, here's what Josephus records that event in his histories. He talks about how, and so that he was living there. He saw this. He witnessed this going on in Jerusalem. But he talks about how they took the son of Jesus, James, the pastor of the local church there in Jerusalem, how they took him outside, and they stoned him to death. And so here we have a reference from about 66 AD of a man being put to death because he was, one, Jesus' brother, and two, the pastor of a church in Jerusalem. And so only 30 years after Jesus' death about, we have this story in the history books. And so we can't just say, okay, this can't be counted, Josephus can't be counted because it was written hundreds of years later. We're talking 30 years after Jesus' death. Plus, we do have the four books in the Bible that we cannot just dismiss just because they have crazy stories in them. Uh, what are those four books? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You may be wondering, well, why can't I dismiss them? Um, well, here's the, the thing that we have to deal with. Uh, they were written, first of all, so we got to deal with them if they were written. But second, they were all written within 30 to 55 years after Jesus' death. All right? So here's what we've got. We've got Matthew. Matthew was written in the 50s A.D. That means he was, his book was written roughly 25 years after Jesus died. Okay, Mark. His book was written in the late 50s to early 60s AD, which puts him about 30 years after Jesus' death. Luke was written in the, uh, in the 70s AD, which puts him about 35 years after Jesus' death. And then John, the latest written one, was written about 85 AD, and that was about 50 years after Jesus' death. So here's what you've got. 
You've got a book written 25, 30, 35, and 50 years after Jesus' life. Why is that such a big deal? I'm going to explain it to you like this. Let's take a guy. Let's take Andy Gibb. Who knows who Andy Gibb is here in this room? All right, how many of you were big fans of Andy Gibb? You were jive-talking back in the late 70s? All right, Miss Carol and Linda was, yeah. Well, let's say that we took Andy Gibb. He died in 1988, okay? Let's say that we took Andy Gibb and we decided that we were going to make a religion out of Andy Gibb. And so we decided, oh, Carol's really excited about that one, Uh uh-oh. But so we decide that we're going to all of a sudden proclaim some great things about Andy Gibb's life, how he multiplied food, how he walked on water, how he healed the sick, how he raised the dead. How well do you think that would go over? Not very well, right? Because people, his brother, he's got brothers that are still alive. He's got other family members who are still alive. He's got friends that are still alive. They'd call, come out and say what? Wait a minute, hold on. Those people, they've lost it because Andy Gibb didn't do any of that stuff. Okay, and so that's why these numbers right here for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are so important. It's because these books were written within a time period where those who had seen, who had been in Jerusalem, who had witnessed Jesus' life, could have come and said, you know what? This isn't true what Matthew wrote. This isn't true what Mark or Luke or John wrote. They could have come out and they could have said, you know what, that's just not possible. That just didn't happen. Jesus didn't do any of that stuff. And they would have too because the Romans hated the Christians. The Romans wanted the Christians dead. I mean, they started persecuting Christians within 20 years of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so the Romans would have done anything to get rid of this crazy religion. And the Jews, the same thing because it was messing with the Jews. It was part of the reason why they, they did what they did. And then the Roman army had to come in and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And so there, there's a lot of reason why it would have been good um, If these books were wrong, somebody would have stepped out and said, hey, look, they're not telling the truth. This didn't happen. It wouldn't have have been able to go as far as it did because those in power and authority would have come out and said, no, that's not what happened. That's not how it worked. And so here's what we've got. We've got Jesus. We've got a lot written about him. And so he couldn't have quite been this legend This legend, like King Arthur, where we're not even sure that any of that stuff is real because there's just too much stuff written too close to the time where he was alive and he had lived to say that he was there, he had lived. And so what some people will say is, okay, I got it. He was a real person, and so here's what happens, okay? These disciples, this Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what they did was they just wrote down some of Jesus' sayings, some of the things that he preached, some of the things that he talked about, some of the things that he said, Um, because because Jesus said some great and powerful things. But somebody later, some, some other, some Christians later just came in and added all the miraculous stuff. You know, they added the, the food being multiplied, the Jesus walking on the water, all the incredible things that we read about. Somebody else came along and added that. And so what I would conclude from that is that, you know, we've got all of these good things that Jesus said in here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but all the miracles really aren't true. All that crazy stuff really isn't true. So what we've got is we've got Jesus is a good moral teacher. 
And we, th- uh, several people in that video that we watch said that exact same thing. They said, oh, Jesus, he was a good moral teacher. So let's play this scenario out. So uh, let's say there's someone, let's say it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Um, those of you who are married, pretend like you're not married and you're dating someone. Just don't stay there too long because I don't want any problems in your house. But let's say you, uh, you're, you're dating someone and they tell you that they're the son of a king. They're the son of a king or the daughter of a king, and uh, they, have, they have a mansion, they have, they have wealth, they have power, they have all of this stuff in their home country. And, and the thing with them is, is that when you watch their life, everybody's impressed by them. They're such a good moral person. They're, they're caring and they're compassionate and they're kind and they're loving. And whenever you set boundaries up when it comes to physical stuff, they, they respect those boundaries. And there's no, uh, they just, everybody who knows them, everybody who comes in contact with says, yes, this is a good moral person. And so you're thinking to yourself, man, I can't wait till the day that we can get married so all that stuff that they have will be mine one day. Well, you're kind of hanging out. You've been dating a couple years. He's been telling you, she's been telling you that they're a child of a king. And uh, suddenly you find out through a text message that they are not the child of a king, but they are instead from North Platte, Nebraska, and grew up on a farm. So what do you do with that? You go and you confront them and you say, hey, I just heard that you were from North Platte, Nebraska, and you grew up on a farm. And uh, they say, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. I'm, I'm the son of a king. I'm the daughter of a king. And I've got all of this stuff. And you find out more and more information. And pretty soon, there's nothing else they could be. There's no one else they could be other than this uh, farmer from North Platte, Nebraska. But they continue to deny and deny and deny to you that that's who they are. What would you do with that? What would you think about them? Would you still think they're a great moral person? They were living a lie. In my case, in my situation, I would look at them and say, you know what? Your claims, who you are, is a bunch of garbage, and all you really are is a compulsive liar because all you do is tell me these lies. All you do is tell me these stories. All you do is tell me these things about who you are, and none of it's true, and so it makes me doubt everything about you. It makes me doubt the motives and the reasons behind the things that you're saying and the way that you're doing it and why you're doing it. And it causes the, 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 the relationship to completely fall apart. See, if your claim is that Jesus is a good moral teacher, he's really a liar. Because in those same moral teachings, Jesus also said that he was the son of God, that you were going to go to heaven, that he was going to prepare a place for you, and that he could save you and set you free from your sins. Well, if he's a good moral teacher, he can't do any of that. And so the only thing that we can see from him and his life is that he was a liar. And he, this is, an, this is a horrible lie because you're going into this thinking you're going to be set free, but instead of being set free, you're still in the same position that you were in before you started to follow him. And the crazy thing about it is, Jesus paid the ultimate price for this lie. Okay? He wasn't put to death because he was a good moral teacher. He was put to death because he claimed he was the son of God. Okay, that's why he was put to death. And so him and his lies ended up 
costing him his life. And I think that most of us, if we were running with a lie and somebody was going to kill us for the lie, we would probably backtrack and say, hold on, wait a minute, just kidding, you know, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't continue to roll with the lie all the way up until the cross and us bleeding and all of that stuff, right? We would say, hold on, stop. I was lying. But yet Jesus continued and allowed himself to be put to death. And so people will hear that and they'll say, okay, I understand. He was a good moral teacher, but he really believed he was the son of God. And so he was a little bit, he was a good moral teacher, just a little bit deluded. I don't know how to spell that word. All right. So is this possible that Jesus could be a good moral teacher who was a little bit deluded because aren't all great minds a little crazy, right? Aren't all great minds a little crazy? You see, Jesus just believed he was the son of God, even though he wasn't. And so let's talk about that one for a minute. Let's put ourselves in another scenario. Let's say your brother or your sister or your your husband or your wife comes home next week or sends you a text next week and says, guess what? I am the son of God. Yeah, that's, that, that would be the first response, right? We'd all stop and we'd kind of chuckle at that. Oh, that's kind of funny. They're sending me a text saying they're the son of God. Well, what if they continued that for a week, then two weeks, then two months, then six months? They continued to tell you that they were the son of God. What would be the thoughts going through your head? They may be snapped, Right? They maybe lost their marbles, right? They maybe went a little crazy because they keep claiming that they're the son, that they're the daughter of God. I mean, they may be spitting some good knowledge and good wisdom and good moral values at you, but they're not doing any miracles because we already decided he couldn't do those miracles because he was not the son of God. And so, and so they're not doing any miracles. They're just there. They're talking. They're doing wisdom. They're, they're talking about great things and morality, but that's all they've got, some really good wisdom and some moral ideas. What do you start to think? They've completely lost it. They had some sort of mental breakdown and have completely lost it. And you know what? History bears out that assessment. First of all, none of the leaders or founders of any of the major religions in our world have ever claimed to be the son of God except for one. Abraham didn't claim it. Isaac didn't claim it. Jacob, Moses, Muhammad, Confucius, Buddha, Joseph Smith, Zoroaster, none of them ever claimed that they were the son of God. As a matter of fact, many of them had a fear that somebody would equate them with God because they knew they weren't. And second is this. When you look at the lives and those who have, brought, who have claimed to be the son of God, and by the way, ladies, I've got some good news for you. Most of the people who have claimed to be the son or daughter of God have been men, and so it's mostly men who go crazy and say stupid stuff like this, all right? But most of them have brought tragedy and suffering with them. And let's review a few people who have claimed to be the Son of God. You may not know the names, but uh, just Google people who have claimed to be the Son of God later, and you'll, uh, Wikipedia's got a whole page on it. Um, the first guy, Jim Jones. How many of you remember that name, Jim Jones, from the late 70s? 
909 people dead in the middle of the jungles of Guyana. And they all killed themselves because why? He said he was the son of God. Second one, David Koresh, leader of the Branch Davidians, had a compound in Waco, Texas. Had all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. I mean, I I was reading some of his beliefs the other day and I was like, man, this guy was out there. He was crazy. His life And his compound ended when federal authorities raided his compound, burned it to the ground, and killed everyone in it. Actually, they think that Koresh and his followers set the fire and killed themselves. Um, How about this guy? You may not have heard of him. Shoko Asahara. He carried out a sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway system in 1995. He said that he was Jesus, and Jesus had ordered him to carry out the attack. If our worship team wants to come back up. Then there's one from a few years ago, Oscar Romero Ortega Hernandez. He fired shots at the White House in 2009. He told authorities he was Jesus and was sent to kill President Barack Obama. And we could sit and list more and more and more people who looked at themselves and said, I was, I am God. I am the Son of God. The list is quite long. They all had one thing in common. They were all crazy. And so, Jesus can be a legend. Jesus can be a liar. Or he can be deluded and be a lunatic. Those are the three basic options that we have With Jesus. Those are the three basic things. If you don't believe that who he says he is, he can be a legend, he can be a liar, or he can be a lunatic. He can't be anything else. He can't be a good moral teacher because his morals ultimately fall apart because he was a compulsive liar. He can't be a good moral teacher that was deluded because that ultimately means he's crazy and we really can't trust anything he said if he was out there like that. And we also, if he was a legend, if, he, if, if the stuff that didn't happen, then uh, why did nobody say anything about Matthew, about Mark, about Luke, about John, about Acts, about any of those things that came out within the years of Jesus' death and resurrection? They would have had opportunity to do it. They would have had opportunity to speak. They would have had opportunity to hear their voice heard, to stop this crazy movement before it became what it was. But yet they kept silent and didn't say anything, which is very surprising considering the problem. So he can't be a legend either. He can't be any of those three things. And so next week we're going to explore the only option that we have, that Jesus was the Son of God. It's the only thing that we're left with if he's not a legend, a liar, or a lunatic. It's the only thing he can be. And that's because of what he did. It's because of what he said. It's because of what he accomplished when he was here on this earth. 